title of this essay is Control. After the niceties of yesterday, and with it now being January the 1st, it's time to talk about the tougher moments of Ferguson's time at United. The name of the manager is irrelevant, he wrote in his memoir. The authority is what counts. You cannot have a player taking over the dressing room. Many tried. The focus of authority at Manchester United is the manager's office. Details matter to Ferguson. He instructed the club to install a creche so that players' families had some comfort on match days. He also negotiated a new contract which doubled his salary following their treble winning year. He also banned Roy Keane from a Christmas party after Keane had been in a disagreement with Barstaff at the reserves party while he was out injured and threatened to fine any player drinking with Keane two weeks' wages. Goalkeeping coach Tony Coton talks about the well-known code followed by Ferguson to rarely criticise his players in public. There was no pussyfooting around in private, however. If anyone slipped below the sky-high standards he demanded, then they got a short, sharp shock. Additionally, Ferguson was a master of when to pick his fights. As TC details the fallouts from the squabbles with Beckham, Keane and Van Nistelrooy in his memoir, They're to be shot at. All three instances point to Sir Alex Ferguson's number one rule of football management. To sacrifice a stellar player if he felt it necessary to maintain control. The day before a game against Leicester City, David Beckham refused to take his hat off in a restaurant. The next day, just before kick-off, he revealed a bald head. Ferguson began to despair. I could see him being swallowed up by the media or publicity agents. The freak accident which led to the hurled boot drawing blood from Beckham's head in turn led to the England captain being held back by his teammates. Coton saw Ferguson apologise, but Beckham went to the tabloids with the story. Beckham's PR experts had gone for Sir Alex's throat. Beckham was left on the bench for a game against Real Madrid. His Manchester United career was over. Control. Roy Keane thought the Beckham incident was quite funny, although not at the time. Keane recognised that his manager always had a feel for the group when it came to team talks, especially instilling a feeling of pride before the 2004 FA Cup final against Millwall. Above all, Ferguson was driven and ruthless. That lack of warmth was his strength. Having played under both managers, Keane adds that a composite of Brian Clough's warmth and Ferguson's ruthlessness were the model for his own time in management and perhaps punditry. During a 1-0 loss to Lille, fans bellowed Keane's name and the Manchester Evening News called the team a shapeless rabble. News of Roy Keane's exit from the club comes after a press conference where the gaffer said nothing. Pandemonium. Shock. Horror, writes Daniel Taylor. A fast one from Ferguson who has made his career from being braver than any other manager. Odd because... Taylor remarks that Ferguson seemed in the best mood all season, hours before Keane's departure was confirmed. No one got the hint. Taylor notices a few months into that season that Ferguson has taken to saying as little as possible, with illumination coming instead from his programme notes. Accordingly, journalists would go out to buy the programme the day before the game. When asked to comment on the infamous Roy Keane interview with MUTV, Ferguson's response was, I don't think he actually said that. You're trying to create an agenda that's not there. When the truth gets out about the cold, sorry anger of Keane, one club employee bursts into tears. We've been told to say nothing. A Sky Sports reporter dares to bring Keane up and is met with the yell in caps lock, that's you finished at this club. Oddly, when Jason Ferguson worked for Sky, it meant they could secure the first interview with Andy Cole after he signed for United. 
Ferguson praised Keane for his qualities as a player rather than a footballer, his concentration, his attitude, his winning mentality, as well as his useful ball retention skills. But possession without penetration is a waste of time. In all my time, the strong personalities have helped shape the team's actions and enforced the will of the manager and the club. But after his injuries, he was no longer the Roy Keane of old. The religion at United was that when one of our players had the ball, we moved and all the others supported the play. Roy was at an age when he shouldn't have been doing that, but he could not accept the new reality. I think he could see the truth of what we were saying to him, but to surrender to it was too threatening to his pride. We were no longer dealing with the same Roy Keane, Ferguson writes that in his second United memoir. It was thus easy to cast Keane out of the club, and what's more, the intimidated younger players, John O'Shea and Darren Fletcher especially, were absolved from their misery. In his memoir, My Side, David Beckham recalls that he was going to be left out because of how he was being treated. When he found out the news, he walked away, and as the game went on, he made sure to follow his wife's advice to keep smiling because the TV cameras would make him part of the game's narrative. When he did come on, the crowd's cheers were stuck in some people's throats. He scored a free kick to level the game, but bizarrely, his opponents were interested in transfer gossip, Guti, and David's shirt, Zinedine Zidane. Beckham's replacement spoke no English, but had dreams of superstardom. Sir Alex gave Cristiano Ronaldo the number seven shirt, but also saw his weaknesses, including the Iberian tendency to dive. His coaches were told not to stop the training match if he was fouled. It was tough love for the man who returned to Manchester United in 2021 purely as a vanity purchase. Watching Cristiano Ronaldo bamboozle John O'Shea was to Alex Ferguson the biggest source of excitement he'd had, rivalled only by seeing Paul Gascoigne play. Imagine if Gascoigne had signed for Manchester United at the end of the 1980s. Guillaume Balaguer notes in his biography of Ronaldo that the gaffer had never treated any other player with the same respect and affection as he did with Ronaldo, though Eric Cantona may differ in his view. When Ferguson signed Nani and Anderson in 2007, Ronaldo was still barely out of his teens, but embedded the new Portuguese speakers. After persuading Ronaldo to delay his destiny, he signed for Real Madrid in 2009, having agreed the deal in 2008. Ferguson always said to Ronaldo that a return to United was possible. In summer 2021, and with more than a hint of trying to get the fans back on side after a rocky few months, United re-signed him, with Ronaldo pointing to Ferguson as a key reason for his return after Manchester City had shown an interest. Roy Keane and David Beckham both remained key figures in the last 30 years of English football, and even though he once said he hated punditry, Keane has become a quote-making machine as part of Sky Sports coverage. Beckham, meanwhile, has settled into a kind of pseudo-royal figure, who is still reported on by the press, and was gifted a franchise by the MLS, which he has set up in Miami. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! 